This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by TheAthletic.com. Have you heard of The Athletic? Of course you have. You listen to this podcast and all of our guests, for the most part, are from The Athletic somehow, some way, or they're somewhat related to it. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. And you can go right now to TheAthletic.com slash Blue Shirts. That's our code word, Blue Shirts. And by the way, it has to be all lowercase. Don't ask me why. And you can subscribe to The Athletic for the low, 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 low price of $2.99 a month on us. You get a 40% discount just for listening to this podcast and being a good friend of ours. Tell them Ryan and Greg sent you. Uh, you know, on a personal note, we have Rick Wright for the writes for The Athletic. Uh, Shana Goldman writes for The Athletic. And I follow a lot of baseball news on there. So it's a great, great deal. I love reading a lot of the articles. Ken Rosenthal has been killing the offseason for baseball. Not that we're a baseball podcast. We're, I mean, are we? We do like 25 minutes in the Mets at the end of this show. So, And also got to thank, really quick, our Patreon subscribers. Our sweaters will be mailing out for holiday seasons this week. I'll be spending a lot of time doing that tomorrow. And on top of that, we will be thanking EmpiricalDesigns.net for helping us out, as always, with their art. If you want any marketing designs or branding, logoing, whatever, contact Nick at EmpiricalDesigns.net. Let's go ahead to the show. Long show today. Have our good friend Drew Way on. And then... Uh, we talk about all things Rangers and the losing streak into a 25-minute Met talk with Greg, which, you know, you knew was coming. We'd put it at the end so you don't have to listen. You know that, right? Like, we record all the Ranger stuff, and we put the Mets stuff at the end. I'm not a Mets fan. Stop asking me. I'm not. All right, let's go. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I am here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Mm. Yes, I agree with your uh, assessment of mming. The Rangers feel a lot like your tone of voice in this moment. Uh, I said to our good friend Dan when I was at the game for the Isles, you know, if the Rangers never win again, I'll be happy with it. But now that we're here, I got to tell you, it's it's not as easy as I thought it would be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm i still confused what people were expecting. I guess I convinced myself, especially last week, that this team was better than it actually was. Uh, part of that is because of the play of Henrik Lundqvist. Part of that is because I think we have a lot of offensive talent in the form of Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. But then when you go, and it all comes back to this, doesn't it? It always comes back to this. The defense is just a pile of flaming garbage. And when you watch Brennan Smith play defense, when you watch Brady Shea, who is going to be a cornerstone of this team and is signed to, I believe, the only Rangers signed past 2022, 2021. And uh, he's been a garbage fire too. Tony D'Angelo, everyone. Uh, you're watching Henrik Lundqvist play some of probably the most stressful hockey of his life. And that might be, this might have just been his whole career. I mean, it's been the last five years he's been, hasn't really had a good defense behind him. And then you watch the Rangers offense go out there. And just truly crap the bed. I, I, they've been outshot by almost half in the past two games. Uh, they were winning in the, the Winnipeg Jets game, but they were never really winning. The Jets are a ridiculously good team. Uh, it's, it's weird that you don't know more of their names. I guess you know Line A, right? So, but Mark Shifley, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an absolute beast out there. It's just scorching hot. And they just out. Handled the Rangers all game, despite the Rangers being up 3 nothing at one point. It never really felt like the Rangers could put it away. I wanted to brag, like, ooh, the Rangers can hang with this team. Uh, and they, they really couldn't. 
if anyone just was watching the box score of the Ranger game and they saw that they were up 3-0, they would have assumed they were playing pretty well. The Rangers didn't deserve a lead at any point in that game. The fact that they were up 3-0 is the biggest mis... I don't even know what the word is. They they were playing like a team up 3-0, and Hank said so much after the game. He said, because someone started the question off with, uh, do you think the momentum switched after the Jets scored the first goal? And Hank was like, what fucking momentum? We were getting pounded the entire game. They were. They didn't deserve to win the Jets game. At the same time, um, if you're up 3 nothing, you should win the fucking hockey game. It's not on Hank. There's, none of it is on Hank. Hank, the Rangers should have given up like 10 goals in that game. The fact that Hank even got a loser point out of it is unbelievable. Um, I think you're yeah, being he, generous by saying 10 goals. Uh, is that the best game we've seen Henry Longworth play in like six months? I think it, it – I don't know if it's the best game we've seen in six months. It stands out just because the offense was so – just impotent. It, they were terrible offensively. They were, they were terrible in every aspect of that game except goaltending. Uh, the Jets had the puck for what felt like the entirety of the game. They weren't clearing any zone. They were taking shitty fucking penalties. I believe the Rangers had one shot on goal in the first 10 minutes. So it was- yeah, they had, they had four after the first period, and then they were held shotless 10 minutes into the second. And yet, Mark's- They had four shots in the game, in the first 30 minutes of the game. Instant offense, Mark Stahl, who has the same amount of points uh, as... The amount of goals as Eric Carlson. Goals, so goals as Eric Carlson. I argue. Or more goals than Eric Carlson. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Speaking of Eric Carlson, you know what other team shit on us? His former team, uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, that was an absolute debacle where the Senators... What, are, they, are they supposed to be bad? Because they not only just crapped on us, and then they went on to beat the Sharks six two. We beat the Sharks twice this year. I don't, I don't, I don't take beating the Sharks as a barometer of success in the NHL right now. I, I don't either. I mean, are they still Stanley Cup favorites at this point? Like, they can't be, right? I mean, they've the been... West. The West is just fucking weird. The Pacific has become a dumpster fire, and it's not really supposed to be. Uh, I, I don't know how you watch sixty minutes of what the Jets just did and come away saying some other team isn't a favorite. For the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I that think team is fucking electric. The Jets are really good. I think the Jets and Nashville have to be the two favorites right now. Uh, in the West, that definitely. And then you got Toronto and Tampa Bay in the East. And I, I think that's your top four. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Come on, Tampa Bay. You got to win this one. I'm hoping. For uh, yeah, I, when, when's the last time the Rangers played a really complete hockey game? Was it the Islander game? Yeah, I mean, can you call that complete? It felt like the Islanders gave up. It wasn't like they. I'd, they, I'd call that complete. The, the Rangers put them in a position where they. Got into a corner and cried. Then I that, can't remember. I th- this Ranger as good as the Rangers looked during their nine one and one stretch. Th- this is like the polar opposite. That's the case. Uh, they've. Do you think it's part of the injuries? Like, is it's weird to say this? They're not, they're not helping, right? Because at this, as great as Hedel Hayes and Kreider have maintained, they, that's still a very fun and electric line. And I, I think it's clearly the best offensive line the Rangers have going. Mm-hmm. Going. Uh, Jimmy VC has no business playing top-line minutes, as Swiss Army Knife-esque as Jesper Faust is, your your top-line can't be VZ, Zibanejad, and Faust. No. What are you, what are you expecting to accomplish? Faust, I know Faust did score, but, I mean, he's it not. Was his first, I think it was his first goal since opening night, though. It it's felt like, like a, you're not, a long you're time. You're generating a lot of offense there. And then you're, you're, you're third, as, as, and we're going to have Drew on the podcast today, so I'm sure he's going to hype up Brett Howden, but Howden has kind of plateaued, right? He's still doing some really productive things on the ice, but he's not pointed game Brett Howden that we saw earlier this year. Kind of similar to Heedle already. I mean, Heedle's still doing a lot of electric things on the ice. You could see him. Well, Heedle, Heedle, I think it's just the Rangers' offense is just getting suffocated. It's stagnant, really. It has yeah, nothing going. 
if, if Heedle, Hayes, and Kreider are all still playing well, they're just not scoring. And that's because nobody's scoring. It, it's, it's contagious. When a defense can shut you down like that all the up and down the lineup, it's going to happen. Yeah, the Rangers, it, it, I, I love the stat that Fitz keeps throwing out because he's doing it as a joke. Where Cody, the Rangers are two and nine since Cody McLeod came out of the lineup. Listen, I wasn't going to bring it up or use it for free content, and I, I was actually reading that somewhere else other than Fitz's timeline. But do the Rangers actually miss him? No, like, because McLeod came out of the lineup the same time Zuccarello and Domestikov came out of the lineup. Funny, funny how that I, works. I huh? think I think quietly the Ra- the Ranger the team's missing the most right now is Vladdy Domestikov. It's not really that insane. quiet, is it? I mean, he was. Well, he just brought he brought balance to the force. That's a good, like, that's a good way it, to put it. It's it's not that Vlad Nemestikov is the most important ranger. It's just when you take him out of the lineup, all of a sudden Jimmy Vesey has to play 15 minutes a night. Ryan Strom becomes a very important player for your offensive production. Um, Jesper Faust is now the number two guy on his line. It, it's it's a domino effect where it, you had like a, a a bobby pin holding everything together, and then you remove the bobby pin, and you can't be surprised that the floodgates open. Not it, that this matters right now, but is Strom, uh, I mean, not not that Ryan Spooner has even done anything, but has Strom been impressive for you? Do you think that trade has really worked out in our favor so far, or is it just like a wash? I would say, I, I want to stop short of saying it's a robbery because Ryan Spooner was just a fucking net negative all the he's, way down the lineup. He's been truly a pile of garbage. Uh, he hasn't done shit in Edmonton either, so it's not like the Rangers are really missing anything there. I, I would I would classify Strom as a pleasant surprise. I agree um, with you. I, I think it's been like, oh wow, that guy could play here on the fourth line for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a really solid bottom six winger that has the offense that still at twenty five years old has enough offensive upside where in a one or two game emergency capacity you could put him in a top six role, and I don't feel like you're necessarily losing a lot. But it's not like a he's he's above replacement level. He's definitely, yeah. and he's got that spark. He's the, pre- the pedigree is still there with that player. He's Just, like a utility player in baseball where you, you start getting worried the more you expose him to consistent playing time in a more high-leverage role. So, but if he's, if he's a jack-of-all-trades, you could do a lot worse in your bottom six. For, for me, he's, that, not worth his, he's not worth his price tag, but at the same time, the Rangers didn't sign that contract, so I can't hold him against that. For me, that utility player in baseball is Brock Holt. Who is it on the Mets? Well, it's going to be Jeff McNeil this year. Okay, yeah, okay, that's true. We'll get to that, I'm assuming, at some point. Uh, yeah, um, we got like 45 minutes to talk about that. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I haven't brought it up yet. You brought it up first. I didn't even say it. I was actually going to open with, uh, who cares about the Rangers? Let's talk about Robinson Cano. But I decided against it. We got a lot of time at the end of this podcast to go that's, down. That's true. We'll talk to Drewy. Um, so, did I call him Drewy? That's weird. You did. You're weird. Yeah, I'm just, it feels bad. Um. Yeah, so where were the Rangers? So this team is garbage. Uh, right. I, the, I, the the offense, I think you can. It's garbage three times. Though. I don't want to. I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I think offensively you can at least say. Well, Zuccarello is also a huge part of this offense, and not that he's going to be yeah, here much longer. It's it's tough when when you have Zuccarello, who is just a, a sure lock fire top six forward, and Nemesnikov and a really detective with uh, Mika Zibanejad out of your lineup. Like that's that's tough. You lose two top six wingers. Uh, in the matter of games, and yeah, it, it's really hard to imagine your team being able to stay afloat for that. It's also a real, real, real dark look when this team starts making trades. What, what the fuck the offense is going to look like? Yeah, uh, I, because man. imagine, imagine, imagine the last handful of games, except now without Kevin Hayes too. Ah, oh, man, that does not feel good. Uh, let's let's transition really quick, quickly into the Zuccarello comment. I mean, we're talking about him. We might as well get it out of the way. He was on a Norwegian podcast. First of all, come on, man. 
There's like an American one right here. Second off, uh, he said, you know, I'm just waiting for the Rangers to trade me. That's not, I, I saw people freaking out. Guys, like, I mean, he knows, right? It's not a, it's, it's not a secret. It kind of like makes sense. They know they're shopping him. They're not going to get anything returned. He could probably come back. I don't see why the Rangers wouldn't resign him for a cheaper deal. I don't see, uh, they're shopping him. I don't think it was a story. I think it was a non-story. Yeah, it, it, I, it's a non-story. We've all been saying it, and now just because Matt Zuccarello says it, it all of a sudden becomes news. I just, I feel like he's he's feeling the same thing we're feeling. Yeah, which he's like, is guys, they're going to trade. Yeah, he's a veteran winger on a team as we've seen the last couple of games is not going to compete for a playoff spot. Nope. So what what purpose do you have to hold on to a thirty two year old winger on an expiring contract on a team that quite honestly isn't good enough to make the playoffs? Zero. And even if they make even if they make the playoffs. Even if the Rangers make the playoffs, you would need Hank to not give up a goal the entire run for this team to have a shot at the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, even asking if him to give up less than two is really like, uh, you sure? Because I've, I've seen other teams play hockey against us, and we have no shot against those top four to six teams at all. None. And a case in point, again, just look at what the fucking Jets did. The Rangers had a 3 nothing lead in a game. They were just getting outworked from the jump. And the Jets are so good where they only need 20 minutes of hockey to beat a goaltender who was playing like the best goalie in hockey yesterday. Kind of jealous of our friend Murat, who works for this website called The Athletic. Oh, here we go. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. Do you know what it does? It's The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. Our friend Murat covers the Winnipeg Jets there. If you want to read all his coverage, you can go to theathletic.com right now slash blue shirts to get the low, low price of $2.99 a month. You get a 40% discount on us. That's The Athletic dot com slash blue shirts you can read more than 650 stories every week published across all sports everything covers all baseball you and i have been reading a lot of ken rothenstall lately uh due to this mets trade we have some competing views on this i i have uh, we'll get to it later um you guys can subscribe now go to athletic.com slash blue shirts support us support the athletic and subscribe to be the part of the future of sports journalism let's return makes it makes a nice hanukkah gift happy second night of hanukkah everybody oh yeah congratulations on hanukkah Thank you. Have you, have you uh, we really, we really did great. That upset against the Greeks we had all the way back then. Just a, just a real underdog story. <laughs> have you, uh, have you gotten your Hanukkah gifts? Uh, my parents sent me a twenty-five dollar check, and that, and uh, I also got. I, I, Can I ask? This, I, this is, this is, this is the sign of the times, right? I'm twenty-nine years old. You yeah. want to know what gift I'm most excited that my parents got me this socks, year? Socks, 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 and underwear, baby. Yeah, baby, got it. It's just, it's shit that I don't have to buy. It's great. It, I, when I was twelve. I would, ugh, it's the worst. It's the worst. But now that I'm 29 years old and I fucking hate shopping, I went shopping for the first time since I moved to Albany uh, last Friday. I just, I hate shopping. You know, it's, Amazon, it, like you don't have to leave your house. Yeah, I. the funny thing is I should just use Amazon because I don't try anything on when I buy it. Mm-hmm. But it's still the, I, wait, like wait, the hold on. I at least like to physically hold it. You don't try stuff on? I, I cannot stand trying stuff on. You, I, you, I, I, I like, and I leave, I leave the store. Okay. I, listen, I really can't blame you. I hate the process too, but I feel like you've got to do it. It's like one of those no. things. I, it was so miserable doing it growing up. I refuse to do it now. And I 110% blame the fact that my mom would take all three Kaplan kids shopping at the same time. And my two older sisters would take forever. And I wanted to put a gun to my head. Did you have a Game Boy? No. That explains it. Yeah. That, yeah. that totally explains it. 
Yeah, uh, it I, was a very miserable experiences in Bob stores in Norwalk, Connecticut. Don't tell my mother this, but she buys me like a lot of like those fancy socks that aren't like white or black, but they have like, you're never going to guess, but giraffes and some other stuff on them. Mm. Uh, and once you get a pair of those, you can never ma- match them ever again. You'll never find the second one. It's gone forever. The I do have a question before we move on back to the Rangers. How does uh, Hanukkah work presents for you now? Like, do you get one every night, or is it just a twenty five dollars no, check? It, it, it's 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 both packaging. The, my my mom will send me an email being like, "Congratulations, you're getting t shirt, undershirts, socks, and underwear." And then I'll get a card as well that says "Happy Hanukkah" with twenty five dollars. And check. does this just you put next to each gift? It says day one, day two, day three. No, when I was growing up, all the gifts would be under the couch, and they my mom would tell us how many we could open on a given night. Got it. And there were enough gifts the last eight nights. Um, now it's just congratulations. I didn't even know it was Hanukkah until yesterday. Explains that was a good episode of explaining to Ryan. Uh, yeah. We got to talk about the Brady Shea benching. We got to talk about the defense as a whole, man, because it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's being generous to call it real bad. Yeah. yeah uh, before we get to Brady Shea, uh, can we just agree there's just no reason for Brendan Smith to be on the New York Rangers anymore? I I want to agree with you. I really do. What What about his performance off- against the Jets makes you say that guy deserves to skate another shift as a New York Ranger? Nothing. But I'm off the train. Let's just get that out of the way. Like, my train, it crashed. It's We we all have bad takes. Your bad take was the Brandon Smith Redemption Tour. I think your only bad take the past couple of years was the Chris Kreider trade. Uh, once upon a time when we started this podcast, I asked if Dan Girardi was actually bad. I, I think that was a pretty that was terrible take. a pretty take. good one, too. I think we've been I also, I, I, I'm, I still stand by the Chris Kreider trade. I wasn't saying the Rangers should trade him. I... He was at a juncture in his career where if the Rangers were going to trade him, that was the time. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm glad we kept him. He's been unbelievable this year. Yeah, I, I'm not like crying every day that the Rangers kept Chris Kreider. I'm just – at that time, I was saying, boy, it would be real interesting if the Rangers wanted to trade Chris Kreider right now. You're right. But uh, let's – the point of what the Rangers' letter was was to rebuild, right? Right. Good. We've got that out of the way. To your point people, about people – do for, People do forget that. And then people got angry at me this weekend when I jokingly said – I took names of everyone who said this was a playoff team. And yeah, you because, look, people got way too excited for how well the Rangers were playing. I, it, it's a cautionary, it was a cautionary tale then, and it's a cautionary tale now. I know. The Rangers, the Rangers aren't actually this bad, right? Your true team identity is somewhere in the middle of your worst and your best. We just saw the Rangers at their best. This is the Rangers at the worst. So somewhere in the middle is the actual New York Rangers, but that team at best is an 82-point team. Like at best, your best case scenario for the New York Rangers I think that's is where I had them. Is an I think I had them like eighty-five at the best. Yeah, that's that's a little better than what we thought they were going to be before the season started, but that's still a mile and a half away from the playoffs. I will say you're still allowed to get excited when the Rangers win. I wasn't clapping at people for being excited. I was just saying it was ridiculous that people said this team was going to make the playoffs. I didn't. First of all, I didn't say it was going to make the playoffs. Just just you, to make you that clear. Were, you weren't. You weren't. But you were one of the people saying, "Oh, we're at the top of the metropolitan standings." Whoop, it whoop, felt whoop. good. You're allowed to brag when you're a fan. It was like, "Oh but shit!" I in can't November, dude, like it's fucking. <laughs> November. I might not be I'm able to take, enjoy Thanksgiving before you start celebrating what your team I did. Put on that like year. six pounds in Thanksgiving, but the I, I'm not, I might not be able to say the top of the Metropolitan for like another five years. So if I could, <laughs> it's it's not going to be that long. You're, you're at, that's acting ridiculous. I know it's going to be longer than a one year rebuild. But th- saying that the New York it Rangers are going to struggle for five years. It might be years, a while, man. So it's gonna it, the Rangers are going to have another hot streak to start next year when Artemi Panarin is here dropping fucking. Loaves of bread everywhere, and the Rangers, once again, November 18th, will probably have something around 25 points and will be atop the Metropolitan standings. 
And everyone will be like, oh, it only took a year. And once Yankees again, rebuild. I'll be, I'll, be on my fucking, I'll be on my fucking platform saying, congratulations, you guys fell for the fucking trap for a third straight year. Unfucking believable. I just love that trap. Fool me once. I, I, I wanted to, I, I just, I'm a hedonist. I wanted to enjoy the moment. And That's I, fine. Congratulations. The moment's over. Oh, now everyone's just like, oh, it, oh, I, I took, I took so many notes of people be just being way ahead of themselves. And I never once have I said this Ranger team isn't fun. I just – someone's got to draw the line at people talking about playoffs in fucking November. I don't think I ever went playoffs because I, I honestly don't want to make them. I know that's weird as a fan, but I don't want to make – I'm ready for the rebuild. I'm here for the long haul. Uh, so if it was to make the playoffs, I'd probably be upset because we wouldn't be in the lottery and we need to be. But Be- Before we jump, jump back all the way in on the defense because we – we're getting Drew in like 20 minutes. We're going to need about 19 of those minutes to talk about defense. Oh, 15, but yeah. Uh, but, but... Off, off, awfully interesting how when the Rangers are on a losing streak, no one's talking about extending Kevin Hayes. So weird, huh? Interesting. I think that's very interesting. interesting. I got uh, – there was a Kevin. lot of articles that were like, this Did is, we why, trade him? We this is him? why we extend Kevin Hayes. And I, I've always been on that train of you have to trade him. You're never going to get higher value than this. The return will be appropriate or better than it should be. And very, very interesting. All, that, I just that, can't see a scenario like, where it works to sign him. And it's not like Kevin Hayes is playing poorly. Just because the Rangers aren't scoring, that doesn't mean Kevin Hayes is all of fine. a sudden his production is dried up. He's been fine. He, he's been just as good. When the goals were pouring in for Hito Kreider and Hayes, he's been just as good then as he is now. But you, all of a sudden the Rangers can't fucking score and you don't hear anyone saying, do we keep Kevin Hayes for five years? And it's not like those it's not like those opinions have hey, just disappeared. It's like a crack dealer. It's like, hey, you guys want to keep Kevin Hayes for five years? And yeah, just like, no. just just because the article is already written doesn't mean we stop talking about it. It's interesting. I, I just find that very interesting. One more thing before we get to the defense, and then I promise. What did you think about the 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 breadman rumors to Chicago? Like, I'd go back if they paid me. No, I didn't read. I didn't take. I didn't. I guess maybe it's just my interpretation of what that article was. I took it as. Sure, the Blackhawks can go all out. I don't think that means Artemi Panarin wants to really go back to Chicago. I think it's weird because they traded him, right? Like, eh, we didn't really want you. Mm, New York Mets re-signed Jay Bruce after trading him oh, and then God. traded him again. Oh, God. Did they trade Swarzak yet? Yeah, they did. He's did gone. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, don't, sorry. don't you worry. Sorry. Um, sorry, sorry. Now, about the, about the defense. Let's start Brady Shea. You want to go there? Uh, well, I, I, th- I think the best thing to do is just to go down the list, right? Because I, th- I feel like we have something to say about all six. Do you so want to start? Let's start. start we'll playing? start from the bottom and we'll go. It's super easy. Okay. McQuaid is going to come back. That's a problem. Uh, <sighs> counterpoint. Is, is it? it? Yeah, I got it. Because yeah, again, the Rangers aren't necessarily trying to be good. And if they're convinced, if Jeff Gordon is convinced that he can get assets for Adam McQuaid. How can you be convinced? Uh, you don't give up a draft pick to get Adam McQuaid without thinking I'll be able to get this draft God, pick that, back. That trade is awful. All right, so we're going to play him. Cool. Got that out of the he's, way. He's going he's gonna to play. And as bad as he's been, again, I'm done with Brendan Smith. I am now convinced that the Rangers are 100% buying out a defenseman this offseason, and it's not Mark Stahl. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I agree with you. And I think I said, like, I don't see how we buy out Mark Stahl. And the reasoning for that wasn't – because I thought we'd buy out Brendan Smith, but it turns out that is going to be the reason. It's not because yeah. Mark Stahl is terrible. Mark Stahl's been okay. He's all right. Yeah, I, Brendan, next next year, I'd have to imagine it will be stunning if at least one of Hayek and Lindgren isn't ready. Um, one of them will be here. One of them is going to be a New York Ranger on opening night and, next season. And 
they're again, the Rangers could be or probably will be making trades. I don't think necessarily every defenseman that they want on opening night is currently on the roster. So you need to open up spots for these guys to play. Yeah. Brendan Smith is going to get bought out this summer. I know we're three years away, but Keandre Miller makes me wet. Okay, keep going. Uh, I don't even know if we're three years away from that, dude. I yeah. think, think about it. At this time last year, Ryan Lindgren was a sophomore at Minnesota. Yeah. And he's now within, like really he's been within eight months of an NHL debut. Yeah. I hope I hope we're two years away from the Keandre Miller experiment because not even experiment like the parade. And don't forget, don't forget the Rangers had a third first round draft pick by the name of Niels Lindquist that could be hanging or Lundquist. Niels Lundquist. I think it's Lindquist. I think it's Lundquist. I think it was Michael Lindquist. You can't fucking do this. There are too many of them. Right. That's that's the point. Great. Uh, and there's Rykov as well. The Rangers got a lot of fucking guys. Let's and they do, all play defense. Let's do Tony D'Angelo next. So Tony yeah. got benched. It's tough, man. And honestly, he played he played. Poor. Real poorly against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, he got abused. I think that's the way to put it, right? That's the nice way? Yeah, and, and some of that's not his fault. He's been playing really well, and the Winnipeg Jets are a highly skilled offensive team, and you're putting Tony D'Angelo on the ice. I believe his pairing partner was Brendan Smith. Uh, bad things are going to happen with that pairing against a supremely talented offensive juggernaut like the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, this, uh, I would love to have a sponsored segment called Who Knew? Who don't. Knew? We don't. Um and before that, D'Angelo, as great as D'Angelo looked when he originally re-entered the lineup, and it lasted about 10, 15 games. It's funny because it's almost the same trajectory as Brady Shea. Brady Shea opened the season like gangbusters and was one of the not just the best Rangers defensemen. One, one of the, the best, players played in hockey. In all yeah, hockey. one of the best one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And I don't, it, it's like these Ranger defenders are hitting a 15-game mark and uh, the, the wheels are just falling the fuck off. I, think, I don't. I don't know I if Quinn it's. Was, I, I don't think it's the system. No. Um, I wonder if it's just they're playing so above their head when they first get in the lineup. Look, you, you get people on tape. It's a very as, as dumb as some of the coaching decisions seem like in this league. It's still a very smart league, and teams are going to find your weakness and exploit it. The thing is, like, I know we're going to talk about Brady Shane and his advanced analytics, which we're in a few minutes. I think Quinn had, well, I and mean, I know you'll agree with me, every single right to bench Brady Shea after he tried to argue a call that led straight to a goal. Correct. Uh, which was asinine, but he's not been playing well at all. Are, are we worried about the long-term contract of Brady Shea at this point, or, or is it no, too early? No, I'm not. Okay. I, I'm not going to worry about Brady Shea's long-term contract until there's an actual defenseman playing alongside Brady Shea. I think that's a fair assessment, because he's trying to do the Ryan McDonough syndrome, which is make up for your partner. Yeah, I, I think as great, as much as I want, Brady Shea to be just independent and so good that he can carry a defensive partner. Um, he, I, I think you need to put an actual defenseman next to Brady Shea before okay. I can be like, okay, it's not there. He's been a little tentative. And uh, I know that Quinn had a quote that said, we worked on the, the odd man rushes because odd man rushes has been killing the Rangers recently. And they, they took care of it for a while during their winning streak. And now it's been back, but he's worried that they went too far the other way where they're playing too careful. And they haven't been an aggressive enough, and I, that's seen on the ice. So I wonder how Quinn's going to address that. Yeah, there was—I mean, there was there were miles of ice ahead of every. It seemed like every Winnipeg Jet shot yesterday was uncontested. It seemed because, like a guy wasn't on anyone, right? Like, yeah, even when because they, were they right didn't. Know, it, it looked like Ranger defenders knew. Fuck, this team is faster than us. I'm not <laughs> getting beat today. So instead of playing up on their man, they were they just decided I might allow this shot. But I'm going to be in front of my man, and it just it it 
he it's like an overcorrection. But again, it's it's also the Winnipeg Jets. It, it's it's both. it's really it's, it's really both. fucking hard to judge a rebuilding team against the fucking juggernaut. And all I can say is Jacob Truba on this Ranger defense is going to look great in a year and a half. Yeah, he's going to look great. Uh, Neil Pionk. I mean, still Neil. Just break up here. Um, we're we're done. We're at a we're at a point now, right? Mm-hmm, where yeah. it, it is officially time we question. We we did this with Elaine Vigneault. Um I I am even more perturbed by the notion, and it, it's been reported out there by a couple people that Lindy Ruff is one hundred and one hundred percent in charge of defensive pairings. How, so that it's, how is it's that not, real? It's yeah, the report out there that it's not David Quinn keeping Stahl and Pionk together, that it's a Lindy Ruff brain trust. At the same time, here's my thing. Get off my lawn. The buck the buck stops with the coach, right? Yeah. And you if if you're if you're allowing your assistant coach to make a bad decision every day, that's still on the head coach. That's still on just, Quinn for sure. Just like just like Elaine Vigneault's management of the roster last year is a reflection of Jeff Gordon. David Quinn saying Lindy Ruff is in charge of defensive pairings. I'm going to I'm going to trust him to do what he needs to do cuz he's seen these guys longer than I have. That's on David Quinn. I and you know what? It's getting to a point now where it's not Mark Stahl's fault. Mark Stahl has been solid, which is fucking weird to say. Yeah, you know what feels weird to say on this show after after our 3-year anniversary? You know who's been pretty good? <laughs> well, the, the other thing is I don't know if Mark Stahl's been flat out pretty good or he's just been pretty good by contrast. Like I I I really don't know if Mark Stahl has his game has picked up or if everyone's game has sunk so, into a level so around rad. him that Mark Stahl is the only tugboat that doesn't have 7,000 holes flooding it. You know what's weird, though? Like, uh, to back to Quinn for one second. Quinn said, you know, Lindy Ruff has seen these guys longer than me. What, like six months? Like, it's really not that much longer than you, man. Like, what are well, you talking about? He was here about? all year last year, man. Yeah, that was six months a season. I mean, that's how long the season was for us. There was, he, had, he had two training camps under his belt. Okay. I'm not here to defend Lindy Ruff. That's, that is I'm not the purpose of this conversation. Definitely not. Let's go to Shattenkirk, which is the last one. Uh, Quinn did bench Shattenkirk during the third period of the game on Saturday, which I'm blanking on. Shatten, Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk's entering a weird stage as well where it feels like fans are divided on him. and It, it, it feels like fans are projecting how he's playing defensively based off the fact that he doesn't have a goal this season. Yeah. I think he's played okay. Apparently, the rumor was he said something to Quinn on the bench, which got him benched for the third period. They have a relationship that's probably closer than yours and my relationship, so, so yes. that doesn't fucking surprise me whatsoever. Um, I still think Freddie, Freddie Clayson has been one of the more secure Ranger defenders, and I still think when Clayson Shattenkirk is on the ice, I don't have as many... Oh, shit. Uh, Moments. As many, yeah. Like I, I'm not getting cold sweats when Clayson Shattenkirk are on the ice, like I am Stall Pionk. If I see Stall Pionk one more fucking time on a penalty kill, I I'm gonna kill myself. Like that's gonna be it. I'm so fucking tired right. of it. Yeah. What? What? What are we doing? What? What is? What the fuck are we doing? Like I, I get it. I get it. Kevin well, Shattenkirk can't be on a PK. That's fine. If you, you don't think we're play, trying to tank, that we're doing the right thing. Right, but it it just sucks that the rain like. Oh, the Rangers' three right-handed defensemen are Tony D'Angelo, who can't be on a PK, Neil Pionk, who can't be on a PK, and Kevin Shattenkirk, okay. who can't be on a fucking PK. No. So at the same time, I'm f- sick and fucking tired of Stahl Pionk being on a penalty kill, and yet I don't know what to do to change it. I do you play I would I, I at this point I'm playing Freddie on his off fucking hand. Why I would, don't care. Why wouldn't you? He at least shows effort out there, well, and he's, I, be- he's a better defender than Neil Pionk. 
Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We know that Stahl Pionk isn't working on the PK. They've given up something like 15 penalty goals on the man advantage this year. It's not fucking working. So just don't do that anymore. Yeah. I'm not I'm it's not, not bitch because I want to win a game. It's just it's really, really fucking frustrating to watch that pairing suck ass every night. And it's every fucking night. I can't there stop was a thinking about how it's like Quinn's not Quinn's call, though. Like, Quinn says it's not my call. It's unbelievable. It, it, at the end of the day, it is his call. Like, if he doesn't want that pairing to be a pairing, he can fucking say, this is not a pairing anymore. It, uh, it, yeah. Lindy Ruff doesn't have carte blanche with whatever well, he wants to do on the coaching Get my staff. phone out. Hi, I'm David Quinn. I'm going to dial. Okay, here. Hey, Jeff Gorton. Uh, yeah, I'm going to change it. <laughs> okay, sounds good. That's just, It's really not hard. Is, if, if you want Lindy Ruff to act as the head coach, name him the fucking head coach. I don't understand why a head coach can't say... That pairing sucks ass. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't even know why Lindy Ruff is here. I, he, he, old man in the room. David, old hockey man. David Chuck Quinn Fletcher just got off. signed as fucking Flyers GM. Uh, coaching The last time an NHL team was creative was Kyle Dubas. And I don't think uh, that's that ate up all the creative juices in the NHL for the next 15 years. Oh, congratulations, Ranger fans. We finally got Nylander. We did it. Yeah, we, did we, it. we finally did it. He we makes, all saw that coming. Because he makes the Leafs, 6.9 million a year. Super nice. And he makes like a million dollars more than Brady Shea. We all did it. I will say it's interesting the Rangers didn't want to take a flyer on Josh Labo. Is it the, is, Oh, that that was the guy who got cut, right? He got traded today to Vancouver for the definition of nothing. Who was uh, the guy that got cut that we wanted you were interested in? Uh from He didn't get to us, uh Zykov. Yeah, it was the one, yes. That the I'm sure the Rangers had a claim in for Zykov, but he didn't get an, he didn't get to us. So I I will never know if, if he, that that's just he scored thirty three goals for the best team in the AHL last year. It's just interesting that the Hurricanes would cast him aside. He's Hurricanes, young, too. Hurricanes are a weird team. That's got to feel bad, like, trading Jeff Skinner and then him doing what he's doing now. Yeah, here's the thing. Not sure that feels bad. Not not sure that's the thing that feels bad. Um, and the, the Sabres, are trying, to bad? Fuck, the Sabres are trying to fuck that up, too. If the Sabres don't sign Jeff Skinner to an extension, what the fuck was the point of that trade? Yeah, you got to sign him. That team you don't, is... you don't trade for Jeff Skinner. The Sabres were not close enough to being a Stanley Cup favorite where you can add a guy in a one-year deal by giving up assets. If they don't sign Jeff Skinner to a long-term deal, what the fuck was the point of that trade? I mean, maybe it was to trade him at the at the deadline to get more assets, not thinking they, they would be there. are. Imagine trading Jeff Skinner now in that fan base. No, I would kill my <laughs> – I don't want to do that. I want to do the second joke for that time. But I that'd, would be, be, that'd be nuts. I'd be very, that'd be, very that'd be angry. fucking nuts. Very angry. Buffalo um, is like one of the best teams in the league right now, unbelievably. Long, long story short on the Rangers' defense, it – I, I think the perfect encapsulation of this entire season is the nicest thing you can say about the Rangers D is it's not Mark Stahl's fault. That's man. When that's the nicest thing you can say, that's how you know it's bad. Like, Hey, it's bad. It's not it's Mark bad. Stahl's fault. And it doesn't have to be the, it might be bad in any kind of combination you skate out there, but be a little fucking creative. I don't, understand what's so hard about putting Freddie Clayson with Neil Pionk. Neil, Neil Pionk is a guy that likes to freelance defensively and it gets him in trouble, which is why when you put him with a guy like Mark Stahl, who is the very definition of a stay at home defender, it's not going to work. Clayson at least has some ability and some skating within his legs that if, if he sees Neil Pionk doing something out of the ordinary defensively, he can make up for it. I'm not asking it's, I'm not asking for Freddie Clayson to get 20 minutes a night. I'm not asking for Neil Pionk to get benched. I'm not saying Neil Pionk is always going to be a shitty defender. I'm saying right now, Neil Pionk playing with Mark Stahl is bad for Neil Pionk. And there's a way to fix it on this roster. And for whatever fucking reason, the New York Rangers are refusing to fix it. 
Even even worse, Ryan. You want to send that? The Rangers might think it's not a problem because that might. I I honestly, it would be one thing if 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 Quinn came out and said, "Look, I know Stall Pionk is bad, but there is no combination of defense right now that I think can possibly help Neil Pionk's game." If he came out and said that, it would calm me down a lot. I a bigger problem, and th- again, this is issues I've had with Elaine Vino. This is issues what I've had with any coaching staff. I honestly think the coaching staff doesn't see a problem in that pairing, and that is much more damning than that pairing being a pairing. Now, the last question before we get to Drew: Do you feel like they don't see a problem because they know they want to be bad, or because they think it's legitimately good? I think it's I think it's the latter, not the former. I that's what's worrisome. I don't think David David Quinn. I would also be concerned if a coaching staff was purposely putting out a bad pairing in an, knowing it's bad. Again, unless Quinn comes out and says, we have no other choice. This is the pairing we have to go with. Here are my reasons why. I don't think a coach would intentionally put those guys together knowing quietly that they're going to give up goals and it'll hurt their team's chance to win. As Even, even a team like the, the biggest tank team in the NBA wouldn't purposely put guys on the court knowing they would fail they, 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 they would no they would they would hold guys out of games and play guys that might not be worthy of being in the nba but they don't put those guys on the court saying i know he's going to be bad i have no interest on making him better i don't want to win this game like even the worst guys in the nba coaches are trying to coach that's fair. I, I, feel I like, think you could make some sort of exception for Phoenix like the last three years before this year. But. Phoenix is a fucking dumpster, dude. I don't even want to go. I feel terrible for Dragon Bender, and I still have faith in that guy. He's, he cut him. They cut him, right? They didn't tender him. So, Well, no, I, I, I just thought they declined his fifth-year option. That's probably what it was. That's probably his last year. Um, yeah, I, I need the coaching staff to say, here's why Stahl Pionk still a thing. Otherwise, I'm led to believe that Stahl Pionk is still a thing because both Quinn and Ruff think that's productive. And that can't they, be true. <laughs> Just, it's, the, you have an analytics team, right? You pay these people. Like, we're going to have Drew on to tell us why it's bad. It's not that hard to call Drew. You can find him anywhere. Like, we don't, it's, you guys pay people for this. And that pairing is bad despite Mark Stahl having, what, his best year in three years? It was okay last so that, year, but that, yeah. pairing, that pairing is bad, and it's not Mark Stahl's fault. That is fucking insane. <laughs> All right, let's, speaking of Drew, let's go over to him. Uh, Drew of the Bushwitz Breakaway, uh, seemingly our website, and we'll transition over to him now. Transition. And we have resident prospect expert, our, our, our good friend Drew Way joins the podcast. Drew, what's up, man? Uh, not too much here. What's up with you guys? You know, living the best life we can, watching a mediocre to bad Ranger team. You know, living pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah same, I, same, same, different day. same feeling. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you... Uh, you relate to us. We brought you on to talk a little bit of analytics and a little bit of prospect talk before we head off to another continent. And the first thing I want to ask you about, uh, while your son cheers in the, in the background for everyone listening, I will do my best job, but he will be probably hanging out with us too and giving us some analysis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about Brady Shea so far this year? And what, are, what does his analytics say about his play over the past, I don't know, couple weeks? Well, it, he started the season on fire, that's for sure. Uh, you know, if you're looking at evolving wild guard data, which is some of my favorite stuff on, you know, on the webs, you know, he was one of the 20 best skaters in the league to start the season for about 10 games. And he's been atrocious recently. I actually kind of made this comment on Twitter the other day. And one of the evolving wild twins jumped on and kind of said like, yeah, his turnaround is like shocked Ben. 
Um, he, yeah, he's been bad recently. And to me, what the big bless you, Declan. To me, the big deal is uh, isn't so much like the physical execution. Like you know that happens, guys get tired, but it's he's just making an alarming amount of mental mistakes, and that's where. Like, you know he's going to get into the Quinn bin, as you guys like to call it, just because you can't be making the mental mistakes. He's not a kid anymore. Got to give credit to, uh, to Michael Silvers on that one. He came up with it. Now everyone uses it. Oh, that was him? Okay, well, yeah. credit to Michael on that. Um, so, yeah, he's been very tentative. Do you think some of that play is because of Quinn's coaching or the decisions are just like, hey, I have to make up for anyone I'm pairing with because they're probably awful? I mean, I try not to speak to things that I have no insight into. You know, that, I don't that's know very true. I don't know Okay. So it's... <laughs> It's, I, I couldn't tell you, but I know Quinn made the comment that it's mental with Shea, and it sure as hell looks at watching him. When you watch him play, he's on his heels way too much. It's almost like he's afraid of like the speed of the opposition. Like in the Columbus in the Columbus game, he was obviously wasn't in the game, but the team in general was just on their heels the whole time. And I've noticed this throughout the losing streak. It's been Shea and kind of everyone else. Um, I I can't imagine that they're purposely being coached to play that way. Um, but yeah, he, he's looked tentative when he's got the puck on his stick. He, he looks unsure of himself at times. Um, and he's just making stupid, stupid plays with the puck, which was something he used to not do. Uh, Drew, and I'm embarrassed Ryan didn't do this first. First and foremost, on behalf of Blue Shirts Breakaway, I'd like to say congratulations once again on the sex. Nah, uh, thank you. Completely well done by you. <laughs> I thought didn't it was like a blind. I gave him that look. We looked each other in the eyes. You know what I mean? No. Uh, We're not a yeah. look at but yeah, I think he knows. Uh, I wonder, Drew, you, you might be too responsible to make insights on stuff you just don't know. Certainly, yes. I do wonder, do you think any of it is Brady Shea looks at everyone else playing defense for the New York Rangers and says to himself, fuck me, I have to be the best of this bunch, and maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself? Maybe that has something to do with it? That would make sense. I mean, I know know, I can speak to my own experience in life, right? And, you know, when you're in college, if you have a big group report and you're you know, you get your group and you look around, man, all you suck. I'm going to have to do this all on my own. Like, yeah, that adds a lot more pressure. And, you know, I know, you know, I'm a big analytics guy, but I'm also am big on the human element of the game matters. And I know that's not popular among the analytics crowd, but it's true. And it, it, like I said, it looks like it's mental. David Quinn said it's mental. And so that's what we have to go off of. So I would say there seems to be something going on there. Is there anyone defensively you're actually impressed by? And why is it Mark Stahl? It is Mark Stahl. Um, it's, it's impressed, you know, based uh, off of expectations, right? Mark Stahl has played about as an average NHL defenseman. I expected him to be a tire fire. So, you know, right. off, based off of expectations, Stahl's really impressed me. Uh, and, all, like, that goal he had the other night, like, that was not like a, hey, you just kind of blindly shoot the puck and it makes its way in. Like, that was a snipe that he had. Uh, that was a goal scorer's goal. Um, and he's... You know, the opposite of Shea, he's not making stupid decisions. He's usually in the right play, I mean, in the right uh, place. You know, Stahl has his physical limitations now, but, you know, he, he's not making the mental errors. You know, sure, he gets turned inside out here and there, but overall, he's impressed me. And then Clayson's impressed me, but I kind of thought he'd be better than most people said he'd be. Um, but, you know, he's him and Tony D'Angelo have probably been two of the best defensemen throughout the season. D'Angelo, speaking of guys who've taken a step back over the last week and a half, though. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, everyone has, though. It's kind of you know, like <laughs> everyone, everyone has except Mark Stahl, who's just been. Well, let's talk about I, I've used I've used this example before on the podcast. It it's almost it's it's we expected Mark Stahl to be a D minus this year. So we're happy that he's a C, C plus, whereas Brady Shea, you expect to be a B plus. 
So we're really disappointed that he's playing like a C. It's the, the analogy you used about you and your sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just had to be a little bit better than her. And my parents would be plenty <laughs> I, I, happy with me. Yeah. I remember that, but no, it's, it's true. And, and that's, you know, comes into play a lot of times. Like when you hear people say like Chris Kreider sucks or people get mad at Kreider's inconsistency, Kreider is without a doubt one of the two best forwards on the team. The analytics say he's been the best player on the entire team all year. But you still get people on his case because again, this is all relative to expectations. People see how dominant he can be when he's on. And so it pisses them that much more off when he takes a game off. He's been incredible this whole year. I mean, even the eye test for Chris Kreider has been like, oh, it's finally Chris Kreider. He's here. It, everything's been kind of coming together for him. And I'm assuming the other best forward you have in your analytics is Mika Zavinojad? It, yeah, it's Zavinojad, Hayes, and Kreider. And like most of the numbers are pretty consistently the, the three best players. Heedle's right on their heels. That's yeah, I was going to say, Heedle. And this was, Heedle was always in the top five even when he was playing eight minutes a night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one thing that's a good thing about the numbers. A lot of them, if you're looking at, you know, the, the rate numbers, it'll take into account. But here, I just opened up, uh, you know, the Evolving Wild site right now. And, of course, now my internet's like, nope, I'm not going to work. Why would but things I work pull... when you need them to? That doesn't make yeah, any well, sense. Yeah, you, well, you guys talk for a second while I pull up the guard data right now for the team. Well, bringing up, bringing up Heedle brings up a question I honestly didn't think about until just this moment. Is there any worry from either of you that Heedle is going to get bumped as soon as Zuccarello gets healthy? No. Whoa! Oh man, my gut reaction think, is no. Then you watch my, my brain. I, I think I, it, it's hard to say yes because you look at the first line currently constitutes Jimmy VC and Jesper Fast. It's super hard to say in the top six right now. Philip Heedle is the odd man out, considering Zabenajad isn't playing with talented wingers to his level. Again, I love Jesper Fast. This isn't a slight on Jesper Fast, but. If you're comparing Esther Foss to Matt Zuccarello, you're not exactly losing a lot of thought over who you'd rather have. He can't be. He honestly just, like, that's not a thing he can do. He has to be in the top six. That's, like, the whole goal of the season. Again, so small sample size working on what we know about Quinn, but it seems like above all else, if you work your ass off, he's going to reward you for it. And, yeah, I don't know what these guys are doing in practice, and Quinn places a heavy emphasis on how these guys do in practice. But in the games, it's clear Heedle's always busting it. He's never taking a shift off. He's always skating hard. He's playing physical he's grinding it up in the corners and so because of that i'd be surprised if he got bumped down but then again you know if all of a sudden he takes a game or two off then yeah he can get bumped down um and i did just pull up the, the data so gar stands for goals above replacement everyone's familiar with uh, war in baseball same thing except instead of wins above replacement it's goals chris Kreider's far and away number one on the team with the 6.9 very nice nice job and number, chrissy and, <laughs> and number two is kevin hayes with 4.8 See, so that's, I, a, that's a big, big gap. If, if, I wish it was 4.2. It would have been really appropriate. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, is a, that is a big gap. Kreider's been magnificent this year. I, I, just because we haven't really spoke about this lately. Would you trade Chris Kreider on the high that he is? Um, no. Um, well, everyone's trade. Everyone right? has a price. price. That's, that's kind of my deal. But, but I don't think you'd get the price. I think as much as other teams probably value him, you know, Chris Kreider, in my mind, is a top 25 wing in the NHL. I don't really even think this is a disputable fact. Um, but, and, and I think there are teams that would pay a top 25 price for him. I think, again, going back to what I said, where I think people undervalue the human element, Chris Kreider is an American who speaks fluent Russian on a team with a bunch of Russians with even more Russian prospects coming over the next couple of years. Like five or that's six. Val- so. That's valuable. And there's a lot of, you know, evidence. There's been a lot of studies done in the past about how, 
you know, sometimes European players struggle to adjust to the culture over here, understandably so. You're 19, 20 years old and you move from Russia to the U.S., that's a big difference. Having someone like Kreider in the room could be really valuable. It's a good point that I don't think we've ever made somehow, despite talking about the Rangers every week for three years. Um, with, I want to talk about the defensive carries one more time before we move into prospects here, talking more about the Russians. Um, it, what have the analytics say, said about the PK for the New York Rangers? Uh, it says that Stalin Pionk suck. Okay, cool. That's it. That's all I wanted to know. I didn't really want any more information. I, I've already gone. You're going to listen back to this podcast, June. You're going to hear a really strong Stal Pionk rant. So if you want to add to that right now, go for it. But I'm going to sit this one out. I just, I just don't understand why it's still a thing. Cool. The eye test set. I mean, I understand that like Pionk looks good sometimes. And Greg, I think you were the one that was making this point a couple weeks ago. How because he's always active. And you see, my cousin, my cousin, my son's like coughing up now because at yeah, the well, bottom, you saw, saw Pionk. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're talking about shit. Declan's like, oh, you want me to take a shit? No problem. Yeah, I got your back, exactly. Man. Uh, but no, I mean, Pionk's very active and he's pretty good in like the passing lanes and stuff. So people get all excited about that. But like. Man, the guy, he's never met a opposing forward that he wasn't, like, leaving wide open in front of the goalie. And when you're on the penalty kill, that's especially problematic. And it plays out in the numbers. Their number, their goal differential numbers are atrocious when they're on the ice. Like, there's such a, a slanted, you know, number of goals that's been allowed with them on the ice compared to any of the other pairings. You know what Neil Pionk is that I, I, I'm having a realization? <laughs> You know, when, when you're playing NHL 19 or NHL 18 or whatever, and you, you switch on to a defenseman and your only goal is, I'm just going to follow the puck. I'm not, I'm not playing a man. I'm just, I'm chasing everything down. Whatever happens, happens. I'm eventually going to get this puck because I'm going to check him. That's how Neil Pionk plays in real life. And the difference between real life and a video game is real life people will take advantage of that every time. Yeah, it's especially, you know, good teams like Columbus. I know, in the Jets Good teams like Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I actually meant to say Winnipeg. I was thinking the last night's game and said Columbus. I don't know why the hell I did. It's Here's what I'm here to do, Drew. I'm here to correct you. It's colors. You know, I'm, I'm always just honored that it's Declan Gregory Way, so I'm here to help you out every time. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Drew, what's the one of the prospects, which seem to be your expertise, and then we'll, we'll let you go back to your, your fatherly ways. Uh, sorry. Dad thing. I got emotional. Um, let's... Let's go, like, right now, it's Kraftsov is probably the number one prospect we're, we're looking forward to at this point, right? Uh, Drew muted himself because Declan's doing some shit. Oh, okay. Yes, Ryan. Kraftsov is oh, the number one prospect for the... My uh, bad. Yeah, right no, now. absolutely. I sat there talking while I was in the good Greg. Yeah, uh, it's Kraftsov or Shostork, depending on how you're looking at it. Declan! Uh, Declan is not happy with your no. take. No, you, you yeah, I'm you a Keandre Ke- Miller guy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't put Keandre Miller in the top th- top two, and you got real pissed. Yeah, you got pissed. Hey, Keandre Miller's looked real good recently, but I, I always, you know, it's everyone on Twitter today was kind of joking around about how they'd rather have him than Ty Smith. I'm like, Ty Smith's got 17 and a half years of better work <laughs> than Keandre Miller has. Let's not go overboard because you're one still really riding that Ty Smith train. Are you? Well, hold on. Are you saying that Ty Smith at one years old was better than Keandre Miller? How do you know that? Yeah, what what kind of analytical information have you been privy to that you know Ty Smith, the second he was able to put on skates, was better than Keandre Miller? You guys follow me on Twitter. You know I know everything about Ty Smith. That's true. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. True. I shouldn't know. You probably have baby pictures. Who do you have more baby pictures of, Declan or Ty Smith? Definitely Ty Smith. It's I got close. a lot of pictures of Declan. It's close. It's close. All right, so Kraftsov has been ripping up the KHL. Am I correct in saying that? 
relative to his age, yeah. And relative to his shit team? Yeah, yeah. It's when you're looking at the age adjusted numbers, he's up there with Tarasenko and Buchnevich and all the, you know, some of the other, and Panarin as far as like the best Russian forwards coming out of the KHL at that age. Buchnevich, wow. Um, man, that's been a, a long experiment, huh? The, how often do you, or how often, how soon do you believe we'll see him in the NHL? I mean, in theory, he can come over next year, right? With the way his contract works. So, isn't it in theory he can come over in February? Is that what you I meant guess, by next year? I, yeah, sure. I, I don't, I don't really see them doing that, but uh, it, it's the situation where, if I remember correctly, and this is this is all um, Josh and AJ Ranger who provide me all the insight. I believe his contract expires at the end of the season, which in the KHL is February, and Tractar sucks so hard. There's no chance of them making the playoffs. So, in theory, his contract expires at the end of February. Got it. Yeah, okay. Then, yeah, sure. I just don't see them bringing him over at that point. But my, my guess would be he's, he's, he'll be over for training camp next year. And, you know, if he plays well enough, he'll make the team. If not, you know, we'll see what they negotiate. If they want to send him to Hartford or if they're going to give him an out clause to go back for a year or what happens. So, you're not a huge Keandre Miller guy then because you're a Ty Smith rider. No, I like Keandre Miller. He's just a couple of years away. Like people get all excited and act like he's going to come here next year and tear it up. Like no, like do you think he's two years away? I think he could be here in two years. Yeah, maybe we'll see how he does in college. But he's he's a freshman in college now. Uh, You know, very rare that they come over after their freshman year. He'll probably at least play his sophomore year, and then kind of see where the Rangers are at and where he's at with his game at that point. But you know, he's a pretty raw player. And while his you know fantastic when you watch his his highlight reels. You know, he still has some elements to work on. You know, he's a very high upside, and I like him a lot. It's just, you know, take it easy a little bit. He's at least, you know, one and a half, two years away. He's only been playing defense for like a year and a half, correct? Exactly. He yeah. just started learning the position a few years ago. But it would be surprising if he's not on the World Juniors team. He'll probably be the top pairing on the World Juniors team. Oh, I like that a lot. That's going to be fun. Uh, let's talk about Igor Shushuluken. Uh, who also might come over next year is the possibility of the, he's a, going to be the, the prince to the throne? Yeah, he could come over next year, and he, just being his usual self, killing it. I, at one point, he had some absurd, like, goalish, goalish streak going on over there. This, I know um, Al- Alex or AJ Ranger, Alex Nunn, uh, was tweeting a lot about it. But, yeah, he's been awesome this year. I, I hope he stays that good, and it's not just because he, he plays on the, the best team, correct? The Petersburg? St. Petersburg? <laughs> yeah, he plays on one of the best teams, but his team ha- is the best because their forwards are incredible. Their defense isn't that good. The team he's on is kind of like the opposite of what the Rangers were when they were playing well. So they don't give up a lot of you know shot attempts, but the shot attempts they do give up are often high quality. So Shostorik and Ots a lot of times will only have like 15 to 18 saves, but like five or six of those are highlight reel saves. Uh, bring it back over the pond. How have you, I, I know he didn't get a whole long look with the Rangers so far. What Have your thoughts changed about Tim Gettinger at all this year? No, I mean, he is what he, I thought he was. He's a big guy. With, he's a lot like Brian Boyle, honestly. He's a big guy with some talent, but he's really soft for a dude that's six foot six. And you can kind of see that. I mean, like for a guy his size, he gets pushed around pretty easily. And, and you, you saw that when he was up here for a bit. Um, he's got nice hands. Like you can see, he's, you know, has a, uh, some de- has some decent passing and things like that, but he, he definitely still needs to develop his game and add more strength, in my opinion. Has there been have, you, have you watched Hartford a lot this year? How deep are you in on Hartford? Uh, I've probably watched like five or six of their games, so not a lot. But is it interesting to do? You, do you? I, I I am the most passive Hartford observer in the world. 
Uh, I do find it interesting that I can't remember the last time I heard someone talk at all about Lieber Hayek. Yeah, he's he's he hasn't he hasn't gotten like a whole lot of playing time. Um, at least the last I checked, he wasn't like anchoring the top pair or anything. He just again, I was saying in the offseason when everyone was getting excited because Hayek was like, "Yeah, I want to make the team," and for some reason, everyone interpreted that like he could actually make the team, which is asinine. But um, no, nah, he was he's he's also at least a year or two away. He was never really NHL ready this offseason. I don't understand why everyone got all excited about him. He's got some, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a pretty high upside. Um, but he, again, he's still got some developing to do. He's another guy that needs to put on some strength. Um, and he needs to get a little bit better with like some of his decision-making in his own zone. But I definitely see an NHL player in him. I definitely see a solid second-pairing guy. Uh, if he's got more upside than that, awesome. But, you know, we'll let it play out. But he's not. He's not ready. Yeah, you know, maybe next year. This is my last question. Is there any prospect that you're kind of falling in love with similar to how you fell in love with Brett Howden last year? On the Rangers? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, right now, I've been focusing a lot on the 2019 draft the past couple of weeks. I've actually Capo, been... Capo. So, so you asked, Well, you asked me kind of how many Hartford games I've watched. I've actually watched a lot of junior and SHL and KHL games recently, kind of prepping for this, sort of my process is like kind of watch a game, take some notes and like look at some of the numbers on Corsica and prospect stats and things so like that. So the better, the better question is who's this year's Ty Smith? This year's Ty Smith. Um, so one guy, there's this guy, Pavel Dorofiev. Um, he's a Russian winger uh, playing, he's playing in the MHL, like the, uh, well, he's kind of gone back and forth between like their, their minor league and their junior league. But he's been tearing it up. His, you know, league and age adjusted points are awesome. Um, all his advanced analytics have been great. So he's a guy that, like, some pro analysts right now don't even have in the first round. I'm currently working on my ranks. I have, like, my rough draft done, and I have him at 14. Do you ever wonder, and this is going to sound crazy, if, like, an NHL GM actually, like, looks at your shit and is like, hmm, this guy makes a good point? <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, that'd be really cool. Um, GM, no. Maybe some grunt on his research staff. Oh, the grunts, the yeah. research staff grunts definitely found you, Drew. Like they are, they hundred percent know about you. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say I know for a fact that someone very high up in scouting for the Rangers knows about me, but that's because he's my wife's cousin. Well, you know, listen, <laughs> but right or wrong reasons, it's there. Yeah, but right, but I doubt. I, I'm pretty positive he doesn't actually my stuff but uh but no yeah as far as you said like this coming up year i mean everyone knows everyone knows jack hughes and and capo caco um yeah you got this guy kirby dash right now is absolutely (laughs) this guy's name is kirby dash yeah yeah, d-a-c-h i'm assuming it's dash it could be dak but kirby uh, dash is an all-time name yeah and he's right now like the third best player like clearly the third best player in this draft in my opinion um, yeah, th- th- this draft's gonna be similar to the last year's in that it's there's got, a you know a top two and then it's got like 15 deep that all could be really really good and then it's got a lot of really interesting guys at like the end of the first round. There's a there's a guy in this year's draft named Dylan Cozens and every time I see his name I just think of the failed Philadelphia Phillies prospect Dylan Cozens and I can't wrap my mind around him being good. Yeah, yeah, Cozens, I have him fourth in my rankings right now he's really really good um yeah i don't i don't trust him so wait that's a failed baseball prospect i know i said last question but we've done the top four now on accident give me number five uh see that's the thing after four to me then it kind of opens up a bit right now i have this defenseman named bowen byram as number five he's uh plays for vancouver in the whl but um one name that i kind of wrote about early in the year that ranger fans might want to keep an eye on is it's a 
the kid playing in the MHL, Vasily Podkolzin. He he looks like if the if like the Rangers scouting staff created a prospect in a lab, like this is that guy as far as you know, he's talented, he can skate well, but he's also like a great leader and, and really Russian. gritty and has a two-way game. Um, you know, he's probably going to go somewhere around, you know, between 5 and 15. But like he's like, if you were to check off all the boxes of what the Rangers look for, like he's it. Awesome. Cool. Excited for him to be a Ranger draft pick. Me too. Greg, <laughs> any questions before we let Drew go be a dad? Um, how many diapers do you have you changed so far this year? Oh, I'm going to wow. go over, under... Over under a hundred and nine and a half. Oh, I was like three hundred ten. Um, that's just a good question. See, you probably got to get changed like six times a day. And <laughs> just over, he's now six months old. Um, so I think a three hundred number was a little three hundred sixty, and I probably changed about half of them. So yeah, probably in the ballpark, one hundred fifty diapers. Not all of them are shit filled diapers, but yeah, they're there. Changed in the ballpark of one hundred fifty or so at this point. Well, if if I know anything about the way family, it's that they're full of shit. There you go. I don't know how to take that. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, thank you so much for coming on. Anyone who wants to follow Drew, it's Drew underscore way on Twitter. Drew's with an S. G-R-E-W-S underscore way. Drew's with an S. Drew's way. I have it right in front of me. That's the worst part. I'm literally looking at the DM I sent you. Um, (laughs) That's that's really, I can't read it. It's a curse. Um, And uh, you also write amazing analytics up for our website. Um, So go follow him. Cool. Thank you very much, guys. Always happy to come on. It was a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Just got rid of, got rid of Drew. Kicked him out. Now that he's gone. Kill cat Declan, though. Declan had some thoughts. Yeah, he did. He uh, was a big shit talker. Now that we can finally get to what we want to talk to all day. Talk to? Talk about? the Talk about. The Mets. They did a thing. They did. I am on the fence about this this whole situation. Now I know how you feel. It's probably strongly one way. So let's 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 just go with your take. The Mets traded for Robinson Cano and Edward Diaz. That's very important. Edward Diaz is a big part of that deal. I, I think it's so important. We need to start saying the Mets traded for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. I think it, 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 we've been bearing the lead this entire time saying they've traded for Robinson Cano. Probably. I think that's Edwin the, because Diaz, that's the big is there a better reliever in baseball than Edwin Diaz right now? There might be. There might be two. And Name them. I think it's K, uh, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, who had a 1.5 F war last year and gave up uh, uh, more walks than he ever has in his entire MLB career at the age of 30. What about Jensen? Not a, when, not a what about Jensen when he's healthy? It, that's the thing. I think you have to take health into it. So then... Uh, I, I think your argument is Kenley Jensen or Edwin Diaz. You can't and, take Chapman, right? No. I, do you think Chapman's been that good? No, I don't. He's, he, he's, but he's dominant for two weeks and then he shits the bed for a week and a half and then he's dominant for two weeks... Then he shits the bed for a week he and a half. Sweats we so were having much. we were having legit conversations last summer about the Yankees removing Aroldis Chapman as their closer. Yeah, I mean that's true. You're right. So you Edwin, ever had that conversation about Edwin Diaz? My problem with Edwin Diaz, and my only problem with Edwin Diaz, is because how's his track record outside of the last year? I honestly don't know. He, his rookie, he finished fifth in the rookie of the year voting. That's pretty good. He he had a his he had a down year in um, 2017. But his peripheral numbers suggest that it wasn't entirely his fault. I think his FIP was still in the 350s, it looks despite like, his ERA being 439. It looks like the Mets are going towards the traditional new way to win, right? Which is the have your starters go five, six innings and get your strong bullpen. And Diaz is the start of that. Am I correct in thinking that? 
Uh, it depends on what else they add in the bullpen because right now they have they in my mind the New York Mets have two relievers now. Well, let's say they, they get let, let, the trade, and now let's they say they get Andrew Miller, right? Miller comes back. I, I I I think it's more likely they get David Robertson. Do you like Robertson more than Miller? I have that's a lot a good of questions. Question. I have a lot that's, of questions. That's, I I I think Robertson, you're um, limiting your risk. I think Andrew Miller could be fantastic. I also think last year could have been the sign of times that Andrew Miller's career is coming to a close. I, I think those two years he had in Cleveland before this year may have potentially ruined him. I don't think they're, it's the end for him, but it is probably close. I wouldn't sign him for more than three years. What would you sign Robertson for, two? I Let me put it this way. I wouldn't want to sign either for three years. Of the two, which do I think could last three years? It's Robertson. I'm with you. I'm kind of with you with that. Uh, but before before we get too far, I, I I think it's important we go over the what the Mets gave up first, then before we go over what the Mets got because I I think in order to evaluate what we got, you have to understand what we gave up. Um, the easy ones: Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak throw them away. Whatever, that's legit salary dump. The Mets need to get rid of Bruce because everyone's saying it opens up an outfield spot. You're crazy if you thought the Mets were playing Jay Bruce in the outfield next year. That guy was going to be their first baseman, which means Peter Alonso was starting the year in Vegas. So you get rid of Bruce, Vegas is up, congratulations. That's an upgrade in my mind. Uh, Anthony Swarzak is literal whatever. Thank you for giving me a fifth-round pick in our draft for him. You're welcome. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Gerson Batista, throw him away. He's whatever. Um, he's a flamethrower who doesn't know how to throw it. He's either going to figure it out or he'll never figure it out. Well, even if he figures the, it out, I don't think he's very special. Let's talk about the horse in the room, right? The horse that, the room. That, well, that, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, Justin, I want to do Justin Dunn first. Okay. I, I don't know how you feel about him. No, I'm actually not that high on Justin Dunn. Like, I'm I, not. I'm not. You. It, it's funny because you and I had a little bidding war for him in our dynasty league. We did. Yes. Even even then, my thought on Justin Dunn is Fourth he was he had a really really good year in in high A this year. Uh, he he didn't dominate Double A, but most pitchers don't when they make the jump to Double A. He's he's a six foot right handed pitcher who relies a lot on his fastball. Sounds a lot like a reliever to me. Yeah, I think he ends up. He, he could be a really good reliever, but starter, probably. still probably a reliever. Yes, and then you get to the prize. Yeah, Jared Kalenic. We're both big Kalenic guys. Yeah, so like. It hurts. It so, hurts. So, Drew's a prospect. Drew, who we just had on, is a prospect nerd for the NHL, right? Yeah. I'm a huge prospect nerd. And I, I'm not that far behind you. I know. You're, you're actually very close. We do have different uh, opinions, which is good, because uh, I feel like that's, a, that's important, especially when it comes to prospects. But I, I have Kalenic in my top 30, like, solid right now. Like, really solid. Um, I I had him firmly as the Mets' number three prospect, uh, mostly because, again, I, I you're, you're kind of like the Corey Pronman where you love projection. Projection is your thing. Yeah, I do. I, I like more cost certainty, okay. and I reward that. Like, well, that, at this that makes point a ton of time, sense in why we, we rank the guys the way we do. Yeah, at, the, at this point in time, I will be surprised if Andres Jimenez is not – a major league regular, and I would be stunned if Peter Alonso is not a major league regular. Oh, I will be stunned if Peter Alonso doesn't hit 25 bombs for the next, like, six years as a Met. Right. So I, I give credence to that above Kalenic. Um, By the way, someone call me out I, on that in, like, three years. That That's fine. I, you'll hear me complain about it every day on the podcast, I'm sure. sure. Uh, Kalenic, the sky's the limit for him, and that's always tantalizing. At the same time, we do have to realize this was an 18-year-old 
who after starting the hitter. season, yeah. starting the season like gangbusters in short season ball, really struggled at the end of the year. Really yeah. struggled. There's Fell a, off a cliff. There's a lot there. I I, I like Kalenic. I've done some scouting on him. I'm I'm a fan. Now that all being said, it's a long time until Kalenic sees the field, right? We're, well, and also not just not just that, but again, the important part we need to talk because everyone is blinded by Robinson Cano being in this deal, and we're going to get to him. If the Mets wanted to just trade for Edwin Diaz. There is not a chance in hell they would have been able to get out of not including Jared Kalenic. No, there's no way. You had that, that, to. That's the other thing that I think Met fans fail to realize as well. Edwin Diaz isn't a, isn't a win-now player. If, the, if this doesn't work in the next two years, the Mets can trade Diaz again for a shitload. Probably just similar. I mean, guys, think about it. Chapman got Glaber Torres. Think about that. Yeah, and Glaber Torres is a better prospect at the time of that trade than Jared Kalenic. Uh, whatever, you, whatever, similar, similar. whatever you feel about Kalenic, Torres was a better prospect at the time of the trade. Uh, I think it's similar, but yeah, you're probably right. I think it's similar. Uh, they were both really young. Torres was 18 during that trade. Also. If, either way, we agree. If this doesn't work, Edwin Diaz can be recouped for assets we easily. Yes, tomorrow. That's a fact. If if the Mets wanted to flip Diaz before the season started again, they could get a Jared Kalenic like player and more. The more I think about it, the more I like the Mets side. The more that I, I – And I think we need to talk no because you and I a week ago, literally a week ago. Okay. Can we talk about – like I think it's on the 10-minute bonus extra for the Patriots. It is. But, it but is. we were like, who's the team that's an idiot who's going to trade for Robinson Cano? And the day later, it was like, the Mets are trading for Robinson Cano. We are like, oh. And figures, figures. Uh, also, it would be stupid for the Mets to trade for Nolan Arenado. Let me just put that out in the universe right now. Was that a thing? Really fucking Is stupid. that a thing? I don't know. I'm putting it out into the universe. It'd just be stupid. Okay. You, oh, re- I, see, real stu- I see what you're trying to do here. There you go. There you I go, was like, okay, you're wait, hold you're, on. You're picking up what I'm putting down Yeah, we're so dumb, guys. Uh, just the worst move ever. Yeah, Cano, we talked about Cano strictly as a monetary asset last week, and maybe we that was a disservice to Robinson Cano. Guy was a 3-1 player last year in 80 games. And he, he missed he missed time because of a broken wrist and also a suspension, but mostly a broken wrist. Oh, a lot of the drugs and steroids. Um, he came he came back from his suspension and was still a one thirty WRC plus. I don't. Here's my problem. I don't him. hate Robinson Cano at the price you got him for. You I hate Robinson Cano, forty one year old second baseman. I do. Yeah, that's fair. I hate. Do we, I hate Robinson Cano, thirty nine year old second baseman. If if it was a two year deal. Is there anything to hate about Robinson Cano? No, I would never complain is, to you. Is there a th- if it's a three-year deal, is there anything to complain about Robinson Cano? Minor. I would start worrying about his defense on the third year. So it, it's we're, we're convinced it's years four and five that are going to be like, shit. We are absolutely convinced it's years four and five. Do we think, do we honestly think in four years the National League will not have the designated hitter? I knew we were going here. I knew this is what we were coming to. I'm not convinced. I think you you're on the train that the union definitely is like guys. We need the DH. I I think the union recognizes the DH adds jobs, and as a players' union, anything that adds jobs, they're going to be for. And I think it's going to be at the end of the day, the owners and players will not agree on everything. Owners will obviously want to suppress wages in a way, and the union will find a compromise. And I think the compromise is fine. Make it 26 man rosters and give the National League the DH. I think that's what that's the logical conclusion. I've just been alive now, and I live in 2018, where logical conclusions do not happen the way I thought they would. Fair. I I just I would be surprised if we're at year four of the Robinson Cano contract, 
and the de- designated hitter is not the national. If he's DHing at forty, the guy couldn't like probably hit till he's forty-five. He's kind of like got that big poppy build where he just can hit. Like that's a thing. Oh, I, I think that's unfair to him. I don't think he's got the big poppy build. I think Robins, Robin, people are worried about Robins Cano not being able to hit for power later in his years, and they forget that Robins Cano was never a power hitter. He just played at Yankee Stadium. He's a contact hitter. He's a, he's a he's a gap to gap machine. Yeah, absolutely. and that ages well. We've seen it age well. He was a fucking he was a three win player last year. He's not, he's I, had one bad year in his career, and it's because he had like pancreatitis. He I was only playing I only dislike the last two years. That's all. I, I'm fine with the first three. The third one I'm a little iffy on, especially because he's playing the yeah. Years, years four and five are tough. And the other thing I saw floating around, uh, Met fans were bitching that. Um, Robinson Cano is going to prevent the New York Mets from signing any other young players to a long-term deal. How many, if you had to guess, Ryan, I, I'm sure you probably saw this because I, I tweeted I it out. It, yes. The Mets have one player signed to a long-term deal that extends beyond 2020. It's Robinson. And it's Robinson Cano. Yes, sir. They have no, but they have zero contractual obligations beyond 2020. Cespedes is off the books. Wright is off the books. Every other player the Mets have signed under contract right now is arbitration eligible. Let's they have no money locked up long-term now besides Robinson Cano. So if you're worried about Robinson Cano being the reason why the Mets won't extend DeGrom, won't extend Syndergaard, which we need to talk about, yeah, won't extend Conforto, won't extend Nimmo, you got to pay someone eventually, right? Yeah. Right now the Mets aren't paying anyone. you got to fill the team. Let's go to Syndergaard now. You st- are you still a believer that he'll be on this team or not? <sighs> Um, so the rumor really right now is like they'll trade him to the Padres, right? They'll get this return that includes probably Chris Paddock and some other stuff, and then they'll flip that return to the Indians for Corey Kluber. But see, that, that scenario doesn't make sense because the Indians aren't going to want minor leaguers for Kluber either. So the, I don't see a scenario where the Mets get Kluber without trading Nimmo and McNeil. I don't think it exists. I think that's fine, by the way. I would do that. Okay, then who's playing outfield and who's playing third base? Yeah, I think you find some guys to get Corey Kluber. He's just kind of okay, like, but you're you're not filling a hole, right? You're just creating more holes. You are the, because the you're theory, getting rid of Syndergaard. Right? The theory, but the theory between but the theory of trading Noah Syndergaard is you trade him and you get a catcher in return, and that fills a hole. But then if you go around and you trade Nimmo for Kluber, that fills a pitching hole, and now you've created a second outfield hole. So I, you just you're like rearranging. You're never filling a hole. I don't think you're just you playing should trade Syndergaard. That's where I'm. I land. I don't. I don't understand a. I. The only scenario where I can understand a Syndergaard trade. I know what you're going to say. It's, you trade Syndergaard for the smorgasbord of Padres prospects, which in my mind would be not just Padres prospects. I think you need a major leaguer back in return. So you're probably getting Mejia, Paddock, Renfro, and Logan Allen. I think were the four names I put out there. Sure, I like that package. That's a good package for Syndergaard. And then you you move um, Mejia, Renfro, Ronnie Mauricio, who I'm pretty high on, and Anthony Kay to the Marlins for Real Muto. It's the only way I can see a scenario where I'd be okay with the Syndergaard trade. If Chris, if, if Chris if you is Syndergaard, a net, I mean, I'm going to jizz. Right, because if you trade Syndergaard to the Padres and you net Paddock, Logan Allen, and Real Muto in those trades – that's a, I think that's good business. I call that a huge win, to be honest with you. But, but I also, I, 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 the, I mean, the quotes are out there. Derek Jeter doesn't want to. One, Derek Jeter doesn't want to trade Real Muto. Two, Derek Jeter is even less thrilled about trading him in the division, which is why 
The Nationals traded for Jan Gomes because they gave up. Yeah, well, uh, that's the Braves, why they traded the last two MVPs. Good job, dude. The Braves, the Braves signed Brian McCann because they gave up. Like these, those were the two teams that made the most sense for JT Realmuto, and they both said, "Fuck this, it's not going to work." I don't understand the division stuff. I, I don't want to get into it, but it just doesn't make sense. It, it's it, when you consider the Marlins' history, it's even dumber because the Mets and Marlins have done a lot of business together. A lot, and they traded him, whatever. Stanton went to New York. Like anyway, I know it's not the same division, but whatever. It, it's it. If your best offer is from someone in the division, take your best offer. I don't care what sport that is. Yeah. I'm because you know what? If that's your best offer, that means those are the best players you're getting back for the asset you're giving up. So it's going to hurt the other team too. I got to say, even though I, I probably would have wanted the Mets to go with another, if I was a Mets fan, everyone, uh, I just follow them because I, you know, I have to. Uh, I, I have to say, he's at least made it really interesting, Van Buren. He's been really. Van Buren. Martin Van Buren? Fuck, I call him. Yeah, he called Martin Van Buren back from the dead, general manager of the New York Mets. Why did I call him Van Buren? I have no idea. Brody Van uh, Wagenen, dude. What, what are you doing? What am I doing? Oh, man. Martin Van Buren, New York Mets general manager. So Mar- Martin Van Buren has at least made the he's Mets. He's making it interesting. Back from the dead, he's like 178 years old. He's fly hell of a plane. All right. He stands on the analytics. Yeah, uh, I will say there are a couple things I just want to – there have been a lot of things floating around Twitter that have been pissing me off. Okay, get it. Get um, to it. anyone who says, why didn't the Mets just sign guys – to make this possible because Edwin Diaz wasn't a free agent. Again, I, whatever you think of the free agent market, if your argument is the Mets would have been better served just signing David Robertson and Jerry's Familia, have you not watched the Mets the last three years? I don't think. Um, the last what they've been doing. The last time the Mets did that, it was, it was K-Rod, it was K-Rod and uh, Sean. Well, they traded for putts. Yes, Putts. Oh my God, Jesus! That wasn't a great trade either. Because who did the the Mets gave up someone really good in that trade? It really pissed me off for a long time too, and I don't remember who it is. Putts was not good. Okay, it, it didn't work. But at the same time, to say well, the Mets could have just spent money. Would you give a six year contract to Craig Kimball right now? No chance in hell. And that's what he wants. No chance. Would you give Would you give four years to David Robertson? No, I'd give him two. Or three. Would you give three years to Andrew Miller and feel real good about it? No, but I would do it. Would you give four to five years for Zach Britton? <laughs> like this is the, the sure yes the Mets gave up Jared Kalenic for what I think is the best reliever in baseball and yes there are relievers available that the Mets still need to sign because the bullpen is still a problem the Mets weren't going to be good if their, their answer was we're going to sign Zach Britton and Adam Odovino I like Adam Odovino a lot but yeah I, I like him too as as a co-headliner no no the Mets went out and Everyone admitted the New York Mets have a fucking bullpen problem, and they go out and acquire the best reliever, and everyone's like, well, I'm not sure that's going to help. I still think you should go out and get Odovino if you can. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't think the Mets will want to pay the price because I think Odovino's going to get paid. I, and he should. He's very good. Yeah, um, I, I, think, I, I still think if, if the Mets' bullpen is Diaz and Robertson, that's better than Odovino and Britton. And I like Odovino. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see how the play, this plays out. I think what Van Buren is trying to do here is... Uh, really, I'm going to let you have it. I know. I did it on purpose that time. Yeah. If, at the end of the day, this, this trade... He's the really New York trying Mets to build are, a win now, though, is he? He is. That's what he's doing. The, whatever you feel about this trade, there's one undeniable fact. The New York Mets are a better baseball team today than they were yesterday. Not even close. Um, I, I actually like the way he's kind of... It kind of feels like he's already instilling a, a new culture. Is that is that true? It's true. I, I think um, Wagonin has said... I want to fucking win. I got a plan. I'm going to execute it. And I, that plan clearly includes more moves because right now, yeah, it's not over. Um, right now, you, 
even if you want to convince yourself the New York Mets have a catcher somewhere in Travis Darno and Kevin Ploiecki, they probably don't. So this team needs a catcher, a center fielder, three relievers, and if we're being honest, a, like a, a back-end starting pitcher to, to just to be sure because either someone's getting hurt someone's or Jason definitely. Vargas will suck again. Uh, so You do realize like the moment we land in Europe, Syndergaard's going to get traded, right? Yeah, I'm prepared for it, too. Okay. I, I, I think even worse, it'll happen when we're on the plane. I actually was thinking that, too. It'll, like, it'll happen. Like, you can't react to it. We'll be like, oh, it'll be awful. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to land. We're going to have um, 75,000 notifications on Twitter because they traded Syndergaard, and I will not be happy. I know. Your Twitter is... I don't know. I, no, I won't even... Here's the thing, right? And I, I think this is important we're talking about Syndergaard. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I, Rewind. The noise you just made is like an all-timer. I have no I, idea what you just did. I, I, I was like in the Peanuts episode for like a second. Go on. Yeah, this this is my life. I like – I love Noah Syndergaard. Let, yeah. me, let me be perfectly clear Amazing about that. Amazing Twitter follower. You, it, you have to do a lot of Follow. mental gymnastics to say there's a scenario where trading Noah Syndergaard will make your baseball team better. You, you have to do a lot of work to get there. Also, can you, uh, do you want to trade him now? He might His value might be down a little bit due to the injury history. It It's tough. I feel like baseball people still see him as 26-year-old Noah Syndergaard, so it's hard for his value to be low. Because when he was healthy last year, we're talking about a guy that was four and a half wins in 150 innings. He's a monster, dude. Uh, his strikeouts were down last year, though. I'm just saying. Um I, it, again, if if the if the goal is to win now, it's a weird look to say we want to win now. And we're also trading Noah Syndergaard. Like those those two thoughts do not go hand in hand. So, uh, but now but there's oh, a button. Here. More, there's more. Okay, go there, there was a there was a button here. All right. If you're not going to extend Noah Syndergaard, I don't know if there's a better time to trade him. Just, we had the same conversations about the Grom last year, right? If you're not going to extend the Grom, is there a better time to trade him? And, the answer was no. And Kreider, we did the same thing. Um, yeah. All right. We've done 20 minutes in the Mets. No one's listening anymore. Um, but, or everyone's listening. Or, hey, maybe. maybe. My, fa- my favorite non-Met thing, uh, well, I kind of Met, kind of Ranger-related. Yep. I was at a friend's house on Saturday watching the Southampton game. Mm-hmm. And oh, man, we see Southampton. People, people didn't – I don't think people realized that I was watching the Southampton game or just didn't realize what I was reacting to. Southampton scored a second goal against a team they had no business being in the building with. Mm-hmm. And they had a 2 nothing lead. And all I said on Twitter was, oh, my. And a lot of people were like, what happened? What's going on? What, what's going on? Because I just spent the last two days either freaking out about the Rangers or freaking out about the Mets. I think anyone, if you tweet anything that's ambiguous, that's not like what you're doing, it's definitely going to be Mets or Ranger related. You have to, you have to realize that. I like throwing curveballs in there. Yeah, you're a big curveball. Southampton soccer. Uh, Fired the coach today, too. Are you serious? The coach. So the game's going to be really fun is what you're saying. It's going to be interesting. They have two games this week before we even get to uh-huh. – yeah, they got, they got a busy schedule coming up, bro. Must win. They're going to, they're going to have to find a way to get a point against Arsenal. It's getting, it's getting bleak. Oh, boy, it's going to be a sad time at that stadium. <laughs> um, no, you know what? It's not going to be sad. It's going to be a lot of angry, drunk Brits, and I think it's going to be fun. I, I, well, listen, I'll be one of them, just the American kind. No one's yeah, listening anymore, but uh, next week we won't be here. We will be in your- well. There will be an episode, but we will not be talking about the current state of the ring. We honestly picked a pretty good week to do a recorded was, episode. You know, I actually wanted to say this at the beginning of the show, but we didn't. Um, we only missed four games, and we purposely chose to go to Europe during this time. 
we don't even we're not technically missing four games. We're really missing one game because we're going to podcast the Monday we get back. So in theory, we could talk about the three games that happen after Monday. But they only play on Saturday this week. We're not really missing anything. We're traveling oh, on I know, a bye week. I know, I know. I know. I, we, and we, that's why we scheduled this vacation around the bye week. We purposely did 100%, that. 100%. That's yes. exactly why we That's did the it. dedication we have to you, the people who stayed this far in the podcast, which I have no idea why you did. But we purposely said, hey, we know what the fans want. Let's do it with the bye week. And that's what we did. Um, weird. weird. We're just so dedicated. So we'll have a, uh, some, one of the episodes will come out next week. I'm not sure what it'll be yet. It'll be like either a best of or we'll do a commentary, me and Greg, something. I don't know what it is. But we'll, uh, I mean, we're missing like three games. I'm sorry that we, it's the first time in three years we haven't recorded live on a Monday night. Go us. All right. Love you guys. Is it, no, is it the first time? We, one week we just posted the forum. Okay, yeah, that was it, and then in one week I asked you to record on a Sunday. We've recorded on a couple Sundays, I feel like. Like two or three? I feel like a lot less than you would think. We've done, uh, this is what, episode 160 or something? Yeah. This is- the, the number's less than seven, but it's definitely not the first. That's still a tremendously low number for the amount of times we've done that, this. That, that's fine, just don't lie to people. Okay, that's fine. All right, so we've done it before. We, we're gonna, but this one's way in advance. Is what I'm saying. Like, this is, you know, whatever. Who cares? Uh, love you guys. We'll be back from Europe, and it'll be the most jet-lagged episode we've ever done. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but hopefully you'll still listen. Love you. Bye. I, I just, I also think it's irresponsible to say we'll definitely be back from Europe. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, one of us isn't coming back. One of our friends is definitely not coming back, and I would say I, I, I have, just uh, want to say sorry to Aaron now. Like it's yeah, he's got the he's like a minus six fifty. It's been like a really good run for Aaron. He's like he's a good looking kid. He's come a long way in his life. He, he thought he thought he had bronchitis this weekend too. He was freaking out. I was freaking out all weekend. I stayed in bed all weekend because I I had, I had like something itch in the back of my throat. I did not leave my bed. I was just like I can't. Yeah, Aaron. Again, people aren't listening to this, so I feel like we can just talk about it. Yeah, we just. Uh, Spath had people over at the six on Saturday, and Aaron removed himself from the house, stayed at his mom because he thought he had bronchitis. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I woke up on Saturday morning. I was like, is my throat itchy? Is my fucking throat itchy? And then I surrounded myself with blankets and tea and all the vitamin C. I bought. I went to the CVS, bought an emergency, and just like drank the packets. I was like, I can't do this. This is not what's happening. Yeah, we're gonna die. We're gonna fucking die. All right. Uh, This is the last episode ever. Bye, guys. (laughs) 